is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. It is Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Can you believe we're two weeks away from Christmas? Oh, I love this time of year. Of course, you know, you hear me pulling down some stories for you. Some more information. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today on the Santita Jackson Show, coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. Let's talk about the Supreme Court case that can shape electoral politics in America for the foreseeable future if the conservative court has their way. Uh, they would give the control of the drawing of districts to state legislatures, overruling courts, even the, the Supreme Court of a state. What would that mean? Indeed, coming out of uh, this victory, I'm getting a bit of an echo, even coming out of this victory in Georgia, Senator Warnock was very, very careful, very precise in telling us, wait now, as we have this mountain moment, tomorrow we must go into the valley because we've got a lot of work to do. Voter suppression was real. He said, just because you endured the lines two and a half, three hours and more uh, in black and brown neighborhoods, primarily in black neighborhoods, um, and 15-minute wait times in primarily white rural neighborhoods. Just because this shook out this way and you just decided to outvote the oppression and suppression doesn't mean that it's right. We've got work to do. Well, now you've got another case before the Supreme Court. I tell you, these Republicans are nothing if not planners and plotters. This is what they are doing. Everybody, corporate media continues to tell you that Trump is a loser. That is not true. That is not why Republicans are sticking with him. Most of the candidates who he ran for office across the country, more than 88 percent of them, up to 90 percent of them, won their offices on the state levels. If you look at the race in Georgia, it was incredibly close. Why was it this close? Because that's where we are. And what the Republicans did in 2016 was run a race where they aimed for the Electoral College because, as we now know, the popular vote does not elect a president. The Electoral College does. So they went to Montana. They went to the Dakotas. They went every place they could just pick up some Electoral College votes. Don't be fooled by this narrative that is so untrue. It is so unfair and it's so disappointing. All you have to do is go to Ballotpedia, and you will see that just about everybody this man ran for office, maybe not at the federal level, maybe not the governorships, but they control those anyway. They won. They won. Now, to, uh, to the credit of the Democrats, they were able to hold on to every incumbent. That has not happened in almost 100 years, and that is great. That having been said, there is a counterweight to all of this. Remember that, everybody. So let's get to it. Let's look at this North Carolina case. And then, of course, we're going to be talking with Dr. Max Wolf. This child tax credit has pulled children out of poverty. It's about to end. What's going to happen with that? Can we afford to have more children in poverty as we send money God knows where? We need to feed our children. We need to save our children in the United States. 
Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-9278. And let's get to it before we get some good news, everybody. Uh, in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 41 degrees. It will be partly cloudy. In Minneapolis, it will be 29 degrees, mostly sunny. In the NFL, the Rams will be playing. Oh, tonight. Boy, oh, I wonder what's going to happen with that. Huh. We're going to see, because they play football almost every night of the week, right? Okay. In the NBA, the Timberwolves are triumphant over the Pacers, 121 to 115, and the Bulls, 115 to 111 over the Wizards. Yes. In the NHL, the Jets will be playing Chicago tomorrow, and the Flames were triumphant over the Wild, 5 to 3, last night. Mm, more Americans are moving to places where extreme weather events are commonplace. What will that mean, everybody? This is from a new study uh, found. What does that mean? What does that mean for insurance? Will insurance companies insure you if you go to a con- if you go to a part of the country that's prone to hurricanes, that's prone to these disasters? What can you do, everybody? We're seeing a lot of erosion on both of our coasts. Got to think about that, everybody. Uh, The House is expected to vote and pass legislation today that would protect same-sex and interracial marriage. The Respect for Marriage Act, which the Senate passed last week in a bipartisan vote, needs to be approved by the House before being sent to President Joe Biden's desk to be signed into law. We will see if that will pass today. The invasion of Ukraine is going to take a while, according to Russian President Vladimir Putin, uh, as he warned of the increasing threat of nuclear war. He said he viewed the Russian nuclear arsenal as a deterrent rather than a provocation. Hmm, we're going to see how all of that shakes out everybody. Power grid attacks. Hmm, they are happening all over the world, everybody. Electricity for thousands of residents in North Carolina, this time has been restored after a day-long, a days-long, excuse me, outage caused by targeted gun attacks. These attacks were done on purpose to take people's power grids down. Wow. Police say the motive behind the attacks in Moore County, North Carolina, remains unknown and suspects, no suspects have been announced. Don't you want to know, everybody? However, investigators are zeroing, zeroing in on two possible threats centered around extremist behavior, writings by extremists on online forums encouraging attacks on critical infrastructure and a series of recent disruptions of LGBTQ plus events across the nation by domestic extremists. Approximately 45,000 homes and businesses initially lost power when the outages occurred on Saturday. Everybody, we've got to think about that. In Germany, they've arrested more than 25 over alleged far-right plot to violently overthrow the government. This is something that's happening all over the world and of which we need to be mindful. Let's get some good news from Pastor Darius Brooks. Pastor Brooks, always a joy to hear your voice. You're always so up. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Grace Central. Grace Central Church. We just love it in Westchester, Illinois. And when are your services? And indeed, you are feeding people. You are feeding people. Talk to us. How can we get some food from you? 
It's at Santita, Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. It's right off of 290 in Mannheim, right by Hillside, Maywood. People think we're way out in the suburbs, y'all. We right in the hood, right by Maywood, Bellwood, Hillside, right off the expressway. We're excited every Tuesday from 5 till 7. We feeding the hungry. Last Tuesday, we had over 500 families. It was all around the corner. It's crazy amazing. And on Wednesdays, we have the seniors from 12 till 2, from noon till 2 to seniors. And it's every week, Grace Central Church or gracecentral.net, 708-344-5020. Come get some food. If you know somebody who needed the holidays, y'all, we are there. And we ain't just giving no no peanut butter and jelly. Santita, we give us some really good food in boxes, turkey, ham, macaroni and cheese, jiffy mix, produce, milk, eggs. We give everything and every week. Santita, you hear my joy? In my voice every morning, this is me all the time, if you know Darius Brooks. There's something on the inside of me that I study God's Word where there's some crazy, amazing information in here. Mentally, physically, emotionally, financially, spiritually, socially, culturally, verbally, sexually, professionally, personally. The Word of God says, in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and you'll direct your path. So, Tita, you got me on 200 this morning. Proverbs 21 and 16 says, put your feet right on, Tita. woo A man who Wonders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Santita, if I had to use Proverbs twenty one sixteen, if I had to use for a thought today, I'd use for a thought, and I'm still wondering, and I'm still wondering. Santita, there is no connection to anyone or anything where there is no trust. The connection is someone or something or an idea you can count on. People don't buy into what one does. Insightful people, they observe why people are doing it. Girl, I'm about to run up out of here. The why deals with motives. Motives comes from one's heart and plays out either trustworthy or untrustworthy. In God's word as a believer, our motives must be to trust and obey God, not our own way, so that we'll know how to deal with ourselves first, others, and then life's stuff. If the primary motive is to add value to me and to those around me, then the motive produces good. If the motive does not uh, add value to me, then that's not a good motive. It will not produce and does not do the things that it's designed to do. Here I'm off track, the word says. A man who wonders will continually see no trust in themselves or in anything. Wondering, curious, unsure. A feeling of questioning, puzzle, surprise. If you're wondering if they are with you, it's the wondering piece that says they are not. Be clear of no wondering. I have to work at being successful in three areas. When you want to get out of this wondering place, you need three areas to work in. Integrity of my life integrity of your life, consistency in my actions, consistency in your actions, and competence in my work or competence in your work. Here, you'll be very clear on no more wondering. What is it that you're wondering about? Are you wondering, does God love you, Santita? I just heard you say right before we got started that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Or God's way is going to put me in a place of clarity. Check your heart, check your motive. And if this is how you are trusting and obeying and being directed, are you wondering, does God love you? He does. Closing. If you're wondering if you love you, if you love you, you don't. Don't wonder if you love you. Know you love you. 
If his word is your GPS, if you're wondering, do they love you? Stop wondering, they don't. Wondering, wondering, wondering is one who wanders away from what they understand. If you're wondering what's going on with you, stop. You're producing or you're not producing, says it all. God's word is how we study, read, learn, trust, and obey. Unfortunately, there is no other way. When we wander from God's way of understanding, he says we're in the company of dead people, and they'll never give life to what we understand. Hmm. Amen to that. Amen to that. There is certainty in God. But, you know, there are people who are not believers, and I want them to know that there is certainty in that which is good in the universe. I I don't know. uh, All I know is my faith. That having been said, indeed, that was the thing that my father asked me to do when I went away to college. He said, I need you to do one thing for daddy. I said, what is that? He didn't tell me to go to class. He knew I'd do that. But you never know. He didn't ask me to do anything but to find a church. I said, okay. He said, the storms of life will hit without warning. And if your soul is not anchored in the Lord, you will drift away. And if that happens to you, I will have failed you as a father. And he said, and I I can't live with that. So just do that for Mm -hmm. me. Oh, and yes, he was at school the next week on Sunday, and I was not in chapel. (laughs) I said, He said, Daddy's disappointed. Oh, boy. And he knew how to crack my heart. I said, I'll be in chapel. And, you know, know um, Dr. Norris wants you in, in um, in in the chapel choir. I said, I'm already in the professional singing group. I'm trying to hold on to a scholarship here. (laughs) No more wonder. No more. (laughs) Oh, look, look, I love you, Pastor Brooks. How can we how can we come to your church and and get something to eat? Because so many people are in need. So many people are in need. And this it's nothing you need to be ashamed about, everybody. Don't be ashamed. Please show up because you're going to meet someone and you're going to get some love and some encouragement. Where is Great Central Church and when can people come and get something to eat? Great Central Church, again, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois. It's every Tuesday from 5 to 7 and every Wednesday from noon to 2. We are here to serve, and Santita, we ain't wondering about it no more. We're here to serve. So come by Grace Center, let somebody know who need food, that you have a place where you can come and be served to be fed physically. Grace Central Church, 10216 South Kitchener Street, Westchester, Illinois, from Tuesdays from 5 to 7, Wednesdays noon to 2 every week. Pastor Darius Brooks, everybody, get the Tommy's reunion. Check them out. Of course, he is the director of that. Check them out. And, of course, uh, get his great music. He, indeed, is one of the iconic uh, psalmists of the age in gospel music, and we thank God for him. I love you, Pastor Darius Brooks. Give my love to the First Lady Deborah and the First Young Lady, Dasha. Sending me my baby so much love. (laughs) <laughs> Love you. You know what? We have got someone who we've got to get out to your church so that she can speak to your people. I want to get her to all as many churches as I can. Indeed, she's one of the leading people in her field, infection preventionist. Didn't even know what that was. Thank you, Dr. Deborah, for holding, for introducing Dr. Shanina Knighton to us. And thank you for making the space to be with us because, indeed, she's in the executive director of the largest organization of its kind, uh, the Association for Professionals in Infection 
Control and Epidemiology, have a center for IPC research, practice, and innovation. And before she or as she is at her office, she takes the time to be with us today and um, every day. And we thank you for that. Um, I came across a story that said that face masks may return amid this triple dimmick, they're calling it, calling it of COVID, flu, and RSV. What do you think about that? I mean, should they return? Should they? I mean, just what is the guidance that you would give us, particularly in this season, not just the Christmas season, but um, and the holiday season for so many others. Uh, but many people, um, we're indoors now, but we are having we uh, people are having these holiday events. Doctor Knighton, we're having holiday parties. That's we are doing that. We are. I think the problem is is people need to stay home when they sick. Okay, but what do you do? See, because part of the challenge is, and this is where our contradiction is, you know, we can't Mm -hmm. even get paid sick leave for rail workers. But let me not take you down that road. I I thought about that. I thought about you, you know, as you Mm -hmm. said, you know, when you're not feeling well, stay home. And so many workers don't have that space. And I understand that, but I also would say this too, right? And it's the fact that an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. And so it does mean that employers do need to evaluate what it is that they're doing when unethically they're asking someone to come to work sick, knowing that here it is, we know that germs spread and they can spread to other workers. And if your whole workforce is out, then that also decreases your production. So when I say stay home because you're sick, you are right. There are things that need to be in place that need to change in regards to people's employers. But I encourage employees to make that argument. If I come to work sick and I make Susie sick, Susie makes John sick, John makes Keisha sick, and Keisha makes Lorraine sick, and everybody's sick, then no work is being able to get done anyway. So it would be best that you allow someone to stay home when they are ill in order for you to not contaminate the rest of your office or the rest of your work environment. So that would be my argument in that particular case. The other piece is, Santita, there are what I call optional things. And when I say optional social spread, meaning that there are places where people go where, no, it is not mandatory that they go. It is actually one of the places that they want to go. And because they're saying, oh, I just got a little bit of the sniffles, the selfishness of wanting to be somewhere or what they say, FOMO, fear of missing out, people will show up to places ill knowing that here it is, ill intently, they will actually make someone else sick. And so those are the occasions that I'm actually questioning because I see it happen all the time. How many times are you on how many times are you on a plane and you literally hear in a distance or somewhere near somebody that's coughing the whole plane ride. While I want to say that, yeah, that can be attributed to asthma, everybody not attributed to asthma or some sort of breathing condition that every time you get on a plane, you hear somebody cough. And then on top of that, some of the time it's a congested cough. You know you're sick and you know you're probably getting over something. And unfortunately, that is the issue. Hmm. So what? So it's the reality. And so to your point, you were asking about masks. Masks should have never left to begin with, meaning that we've taken on, and I'm saying culturally, in the U.S., this mindset of all or nothing, when it should have never really been an all or nothing. For example, people should have still been told, hey, if you want an elevator, I would suggest you wear a mask. 
If you're on an elevator, try to get on by yourself. If you're in the closed-in space that's unfamiliar, wear a mask. I am happy the fact that there are some healthcare facilities that even though guidelines were dropped for them to wear masks inside a healthcare setting, people don't go to the hospital the majority of the time because they will. They go there because they're sick. So to me, that is a no-brainer that if I'm sitting in the ER, I don't know what person X, Y, and Z has, so everybody should be masked. Otherwise, it becomes an incubator for germs because people are there because they don't feel well. Because I've been going to the hospital a lot lately, and I will tell you, whenever you walk into the lobby, people look like they have had it. And in the hospitals, they require that you wear a mask. They require that when you are in conference with your physician, that you wear a mask. Think about that, everybody. Think about it. Think about it. Hey, Dr. Nina, at H-E-Y-D-R-N-I-N-A, everybody tell somebody and share that handle. We want to get continue to get her numbers up so that people can know who this brilliant, brilliant woman is. Uh, she doesn't make us paranoid. She makes us aware. Wear that mask, everybody. Oh, I'm so tired of these masks. But at least I get the mask to give me a form of cup around my mouth so I don't look like baby Jane. Oh, that's what happened at the beginning of the pandemic. Lipstick all over the place, and I hated it. But I stayed well, too. Mm. Let's talk about this North Carolina case. It can completely change the electoral landscape. That's right. It would give a Republican or a Democratic-controlled legislature complete power over how districts are drawn. And that's dangerous. Either way it goes, but particularly for uh, the power hungry. Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. Back in just a moment. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. Thursday, December 8th, 2022. Let's talk about the Supreme Court and just really the, the plan by Republicans to take power. Just to take it, to take it, to take it, to take it from you, to take it from the masses of people, to to increase minoritarian rule so that the minority in the country will rule. The minority of voters in the United States are Republican voters. You do know that. Um, a growing, a growing uh, plurality are independent voters. But if you want to look at that pie chart, um, Really, almost 40 percent of voters call themselves Democrats, almost 40 percent. And um, we've got to look at all of this because, you know, Senator Warnock said, look, we're having a mountain moment. Enjoy it. But tomorrow morning, we've got to go back into the valley and go to work because do not be fooled. The margins are real close in Georgia. And even when President Trump's people have lost, the margins have been close They've been close for the most part. For the most part, he's had a tremendous record. I went to Ballotpedia again just to check. So all of this talk from the corporate media, he's a loser, he's losing. Uh, You're looking at these high-profile races, some of them, but he is put in place. 
really control of the states. I can't wait for D- David Daly to talk to us about it and Attorney Daryl Jones. And, of course, Wisconsin State Representative Lakeisha Myers. We haven't had her in a while. I'm so glad that she's back with us. But before we get to it, I've got to get my order in for the Christmas holidays because I am ready. I am ready for celebrations by us. <laughs> What's going on, Shapiro? Good morning, Santita. And yes, we are taking our final orders. We have about four orders left for the Christmas holiday season that we're going to take. So please give us a call at 708-526-4546. 708-526-4546. We can handle your turkey, your dressing, your uh, peach cobbler, your macaroni and cheese, your your mozzarella, your Cajun pasta, your... um, pound cakes, your caramel cakes, your red velvet cakes, whatever it is that you need for your holiday table, don't hesitate to give us a call, 708-526-4546. We look forward to serving you, and give us a call today. Thank you, Santita. Amen to that, everybody. Celebrations by us. It's a controversial election theory at the heart of this case that has gone from North Carolina to the U.S. Supreme Court. What's going to happen? It could transform federal elections. It would solidify minoritarian rule. It would allow, at this time, Republicans to completely draw, uh, well, to really to push people of color out of power, to push progressives out of power, to push Democrats out of power because of the way that they would be able to draw draw districts. They would be able to overrule the state legislatures, which by and large in the United States today at this time are Republican because the Republicans had a plan and they made it so. They would be able to uh, overrule a state Supreme Court. Who has ever heard of such a thing? Well, it's an obscure legal theory that is now being put to the test. And who knows? This conservative court just might embrace it or parts of it um, that would... um that would really make it very dangerous. We, of course, have Attorney Daryl Jones, chairman of the Trans- Transformative Justice Coalition. Wisconsin State Representative Lakeisha Myers is going to tell us how this looks in Wisconsin, because Wisconsin is one of these interesting states. There's Milwaukee, and there's Wisconsin. There's Madison, and there's Wisconsin. And all, like there's Chicago, and there's Illinois. There's Atlanta. And there's Georgia. You know what I mean, everybody. But let me start with you, David Daly, a senior fellow at Fair Vote. And um, it seems like this is something that you have been forewarning us about. Your book, Rat Eft, the New York Times bestseller. Everybody, you need to get it. And Unrigged, you need to get that as well. Uh, there has been a plan. And if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. And these Republicans have not planned to fail. And they have been winning. What is going on with this case? At the Supreme Court. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, uh, some of us have been writing and talking about this uh, really bonkers independent state legislative theory for a few years now and trying to warn people that uh, this is the next wave in Republican efforts to enact an enduring one-party conservative minority rule across the nation. And um, some folks have kind of looked at us with a a weird raised eyebrow sometimes, but uh, here we are yesterday with uh, this absolutely bonkers, non-historical, you know, it's not grounded in American history, in American law, in actual government practice. It sounds completely crazy, uh, but here it is at the U.S. Supreme Court yesterday with three conservative justices seeming to embrace a really robust version of this notion 
uh, three liberal justices uh, likely opposed, and um, three conservative justices in the middle who uh, seemed that they were, I would say, independent state legislature curious um, and appeared ready to embrace this in at least some form, if not in its complete form. And, you know, I mean, um, this would not be a a compromise or a reasonable position. If you take a train from reality to crazy and you stop off in Bonkersville halfway, you are still in Bonkersville. Um, this is the, the radical idea that governors and state Supreme Courts and state constitutions would effectively have no ability to rein in state legislatures when it comes to election law, administration, and practices. So that would control, in its maximal version, everything from redistricting maps that legislatures could draw to entrench themselves in power, uh, your ability to get an absentee ballot or vote by mail. Uh, it, it, it could go to... to certification of elections. It could go to how electors to the electoral college in a presidential election are, are, are awarded. And what matters about this so much is that first state legislatures don't have this unfettered power. We have a system of checks and balances that is supposed to rein that power in. But what we know is two things. First, that legislatures around the country have been gerrymandered largely by Republicans to entrench themselves in power, insulate themselves from the ballot box, and give themselves, as the representative from Wisconsin knows all too well, as much as two-thirds of the seats, even when they win less than 50 percent of the votes. Uh, there are states in America that barely qualify as democracies as a result of this. And the second piece of this is that these legislatures have stopped at nothing over the course of the last decade to enact further measures, whether it's voter ID, whether it's uh, uh, limits on absentee balloting, whether it's closing precincts, whether it's uh, voter roll purges, purges, or whether, as we saw after the 2020 election, embracing the big lie of, of voter fraud and that Donald uh, Trump actually won the, the 2020 election. So this is a case that would award unfettered power to state legislatures that have already proven that they will use it in destructive ways to our democracy. Mm, what is this independent state legislature theory that, that would give state legislatures I mean, unchecked power over federal elections. What is that, uh, Attorney Jones, before I get to uh, State Representative Myers, who literally, you're in the middle of all of this. And I I can't wait to hear what you're saying, because please, uh, you know, of course, your colleague in the upper house, State Senator Lena uh, Taylor, and others have run away trying to fight for it. Now, they've been trying to fight for democracy, just like like our uh, legislate state legislators down in Texas have been have been trying to do. I mean, this is a real, real movement that's going on across the country. What is this independent state legislature theory, and what are the arguments on either side, Attorney Jones? 
Uh, thank you, Santina, and good morning. You know, what's happening with this independent state legislative theory uh, it simply is this, is that uh, those that are supporters of the independent state legislative theory, it actually is a growth uh, out of the uh, Bush versus Gore uh, decision uh, from, from the, uh, that 2000 election. But in mm. essence, it comes out of dicta. But in essence, uh, what it says is that there's a provision of the Constitution that says that the states are uh, to administer the election, that the legislature is to administer of the election and it's given a responsibility to the state. The proponents of uh, the independent uh, state uh, legislature theory take that to mean that they have unchecked power, that the state legislature in and of itself can make whatever decision it wants to make regarding voting and, uh, and, the, and the scope of voting, what's involved in voting, the, the law around voting. And it's unchecked. And when I say unchecked, I don't mean unchecked by the federal courts because the Supreme Court has already made clear that it's not going to get involved uh, in, in those, uh, those mapping decisions. The, the, it's unchecked. The state legislature would be unchecked by the state highest court uh, where it, it, it sits. So whatever decision the legislature would make uh, would be the law of the land. And there's nothing that anyone could do. Uh, so th- that's the concern that, uh, that, that exists. And, of course, you know, on the other side uh, of the argument, you know, clearly, uh, you know, it, it calls for uh, the Constitution calls for the legislature to be able to make those decisions. But it has to follow the state's constitution and the state's constitution is interpreted by the courts. So anything that the state legislatures do, it has to be interpreted and reviewed uh, for constitutionality by that state's court. So, you know, that's you know, uh, that's what the independent state uh, legislative theory uh, is all about. And, and the biggest piece to this, the biggest concern to this, as David was uh, was voicing, uh, is that uh, if the uh, justices vote in favor uh, of the ISL, the independent uh, state legislative theory, that then uh, you're going to find running rampant uh, all kinds of legislation that is really going to restrict access and make it very difficult uh, for people to be able to vote. That is the that is the key concern. And you know, Santita, very interestingly, for this case, uh, for the uh, Moore versus Harper, which comes out of Carolina, for the case to make it to the Supreme Court, it required four of the Supreme Court justices to say, okay, we'll hear it. Uh, and those four were, uh, who were they? Uh, Alito and Thomas and Gorsuch and I think Kavanaugh. And so the question then becomes, what will Justice Roberts do? What will any of the other conservatives do? You know, will they get on board with this? The uh, the feeling right now, the belief right now, uh, based on the arguments that uh, occurred yesterday, is that they seem to be uh, a lot of uh, concern regarding it that they uh, that it would not go into effect as it has been uh, proposed uh, by North Carolina with the extremism that uh, North Carolina has in place. But there may be some gradualism, and that's a concern in my book because whenever there's whenever a door is open, you don't know how wide it's going to open in the future. So it's going to be something very interesting to watch. But in in a nutshell, that's what the independent state uh, legislative theory is all about. Mm. How will this impact you? I mean, what goes on in the state legislature? I mean, who controls the state legislature in Wisconsin, number one? And what does this mean when you hear about this, uh, Wisconsin State Representative Lakeisha Myers? Well, good morning, and thank you for having me. Um, well, I would say that, um, that Wisconsin is run by Republicans. <laughs> That's mm. the unfortunate truth as far as our state legislature is concerned. Um, They operate the majority in both houses. 
um, we only have power in statewide elections, uh, which is the case that you saw uh, with the governor's race, with the attorney general, um, with most of our statewide offices, our constitutional offices, they are held by Democrats. And that is the case uh, in Wisconsin, who has kind of been ground zero when looking at gerrymandering and how we've been poorly redistricted. Um, we didn't have maps, Santita, leading into our primary elections, which were in August. And we were waiting on pins and needles to hear what the Supreme Court would have to say about Wisconsin. Um, we had our redistricting where we were in a fight really for our political lives because uh, we had poor maps being drawn on both sides uh, when it comes to what the uh, d- Democrats wanted to do, which was increase representation that would give um, supposedly an overwhelming majority for the governor or for Democrats, but it would take away African-American representation in the state of Wisconsin. And that was important to black representatives because we only have about six seats that were drawn for African-Americans to be able to have their own representatives. And that's important in a state like Wisconsin because we have 6 million people in the state of Wisconsin, but only um, 6% African-American representation. And with our last census, the Latino population had increased, yet they weren't going to receive a new seat in the redistricted maps. They were going to stay at the same uh, two seats, I believe, that they have, and they would not have um, a a Latino majority Senate district at all. And they still don't have one um, to represent in the city of Milwaukee, which was interesting. So when I put that in perspective, it means that you could have diminished African-American representation with one map, yet you would have no representation or decreased representation from Republican maps. So we were stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, I mean, what, I mean, with all of this partisan, I mean, this partisanship, I mean, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't like it. I don't I, I don't like partisan gerrymandering. I don't like gerrymandering. I just, you know, I do, just to be it just it never ends well, even if it's my side who yeah, I just think if you just make it fair, let, let the marketplace, the voting marketplace do what it's going to do. How can we how can we move into something fair? I mean, what do you think is going to happen with the Supreme Court? It seems like they are inclined to do with it what they did with the Voting Rights Act. Gut it. <laughs> you know, leave it well, in place. In, in, if you look at the okay. Supreme Court, they've already started that process. If you go back to Shelby, Shelby v. Holder, and I'm mm-hmm. sure Attorney Jones can speak to that um, with, you know, the, the clearances and all those things that are no longer in place. Yeah. Um, so when so you do you think that's what's like going to happen Carolina, here? Do you think that's what's going to happen in I this case? It if it does happen, it what will happen? What do you see? I think it's exactly what's going to happen because mm-hmm. the, Shelby County, I think mm-hmm. the representative is exactly right. Um, this is the Supreme Court and it's the John Roberts playbook. Uh, you don't take the complete jump into the fire. You boil the frog slowly. In Shelby County, what the court did was it eliminated Section 5 preclearance, and it did that by effectively invalidating the formula in Section 4. So they allowed Section 5 to stand 
you just couldn't use it. <laughs> um, and they said, well, it's fine to, to get rid of Section 5 because, you know, things in the South have changed, but also you still have Section 2, and Section 2 is strong and it applies nationwide. And then they started going after Section 2 in the Brnovich case from Arizona and in Merrill versus Milligan from Alabama, which will be decided by the court this spring. Uh, so it, it's, just, it's just a constant pushing of the line. And so even if this court, in this case, only takes a half reading of the independent state legislature and creates a, a slightly much more difficult standard for state Supreme Courts to get involved in these cases in the future. Uh, It's just the start down a road that I fear could be deep and dark. Mm, Deep and dark. How? I mean, how will this manifest? Well, if you get in many states and Wisconsin is one of them, um, control You can't defeat a gerrymander at the ballot. It's almost impossible to do. And the gerrymanders that were enacted in 2010 and again after the 2020 census have proven enduring for election cycle after election cycle. I mean, back in 2018 in Wisconsin, as as voters elected a Democratic governor and Democrats to all those constitutional offices and reelected Tammy Baldwin, they gave Democratic candidates for the uh, state assembly there 203,000 more votes than Republicans, and Republicans won 63 seats and Democrats 36. So you win 53% of the vote and you get 35% of the seats. Um, that is how gerrymandering works, even in a good year. Uh, and so mm-hmm. the only recourse that voters in places like Wisconsin and North Carolina and, and Pennsylvania have had to try to fight this is to take it to state Supreme Court. And in part, that's because the U.S. Supreme Court back in 2019, in the case out of North Carolina, closed the federal courts to a national solution. Now they said, no, 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 we'll work this out in the states. Yeah, state constitutions are just fine there. And there's a lot of states that are doing a good job with this. So, you know, it's another example of, of Robert being disingenuous and kind of pushing this down the line and saying, yeah, state courts and constitutions are fine, and then saying, oh, no, actually, state courts and constitutions aren't going to to work here at all. Um, And so in the state of Wisconsin, it is now, I believe, a 4-3 conservative court, and there's an election next spring that could tip control of the state Supreme Court uh, and finally give a fair map and opportunity in that state if another lawsuit is brought and if it is successful that would end more than a decade of gerrymanders but if the u.s supreme court comes in here and says no not only can you not fight a partisan gerrymander in federal courts but you also can't fight a partisan gerrymander in state courts in which case you can no longer fight a partisan gerrymander at all and these maps will endure effectively forever entrenching one party conservative white Christian minority rule in this country. You know, it's just white because this is not Christian. <laughs> As a devout Christian, that is offensive to me. Yeah. But, but uh, they think that that's, that's not Christian because, I mean, no. State Representative Myers 
we've got the child tax care credit that's on the line. We have got feeding uh, the poor that's on the line. We have got uh, assistance uh, for COVID on the line. For there are so care. many yeah. things that are on the line when you gerrymander progressives and Democrats out of power. And in Wisconsin, we have Medicaid expansion that we've never accepted. That's still on the line. So that's unbelievable. And when you don't accept Medicare expansion, what does that mean? I've got two minutes. That means that hospitals close. That means that there are people who travel all the way from northern Wisconsin to Milwaukee who have state-sponsored insurance that can see a dentist maybe once a month. That's what that does. So it clogs up the system so much that you have a unhealthy community. And, and that's not how you want to operate with people who are sick, um, who have no access to physicians, who people who can't have babies in certain counties. All of this plays a part because we did not take Medicaid expansion. While we have got the highest maternal mortality rate in the developed Absolutely. world, everybody, for black and white women. Oh, yes. no, no. This is this is hitting everybody. Uh, you know what, uh, David Daly, I know that you've got to leave, but I want to give the final 90 seconds to you. You've been ringing this bell for the longest time. You've been you've been trying to let us know that this is what is coming. And now it's here. What do you suspect is going to happen and what will I think what I should think we do we next? Are, uh the independent state legislative theory, in many ways, is 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 checkmate, uh, and we need to be super aware of this. <laughs> uh, I mean, we have got to be thinking about how we reform the federal courts. Uh, we have got to be talking about increasing the number of justices on this court. We have got to be talking about term limits, about a, a larger court with that perhaps you r- rotate judges through cases uh, instead of handing lifetime tenure to uh, conservative judges to effectively nullify the actions not only of, 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 of Congress, but now also of states Supreme Court, uh, we are heading down a, a really dangerous road here, uh, and I fear that American democracy in many ways is like that frog in the pot, and that the mm. temperature has been turned up and up and up, and the frog is starting to boil, and it's going to be jumping around and dancing in that pot, uh, and by the time we realize what has happened Many of the avenues for doing much about it will have been closed off to us. So keep in mind that, that elections like the one in, 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 in the spring in Wisconsin or the state Supreme Court are really, really important. And we have to have the same level and attention and turnout in these, in these, in these races for state Supreme Court and Secretary of State and state representatives and local election boards, uh, as we do for president and senator and the more exciting offices, because the Republicans have had really a 50-year plan to win control of of the courts, of school boards, of state legislatures, and it it is really paying off. It is working, y'all. Get David Daly's books, the New York Times bestseller, Rat Aft. You need to read it. 
because you're going to see what was planned, what, 14 years ago? It's come to fruition. It's coming to fruition. And, of course, Unrigged. You've got to get these two books. And, of course, he's David Daly 3. That is his handle. Let's stay right here. Let's continue to talk about this. What can we do to fight back? You need to pay attention to this, everybody. Our Republican-led state legislatures will overrule the Supreme Courts if the Supreme Court of the United States has its way. Back in just a minute. We can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. We this is the Santita Jackson Show. Welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Let's talk about gerrymandering. Let's talk about what the Supreme Court could codify. Yeah, that's really what it is. And let's talk about this independent state legislature theory and what it really is and what it means to you and how it could end thwart Medicare expansion. Why? Because Republicans tend not to favor that. So that means you have fewer hospitals. You have less access to health care. Maternal mortality, which in the United States is the highest in the Western world for black and white women, will only increase. Get the picture? You need to think about that. And your access to the ballot box will decrease sharply. Got to talk about it. Call me at 773-763-9278. 773-763-WCPT. Got the great Latasha Brown with us today. Going to ask her about that and this mountain experience that we had. I saw you all dancing and after uh, Senator Warnock won. You and Roland Martin and Cliff and everybody. I said, go girl and minister. <laughs> Mark Thompson. Love it, love it, love it. But he said we have a mountain moment, but... We now have to go back into the valley and do the work, and we're going to be talking about that today. Of course, we're going to be joined by Dr. Max Wolf shortly, but let's get to some of these headlines so we can get to these great, great guests, starting with Ms. Brown. Hey, in Chicago, we're going to have a high of 41 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, St. Paul, 29 degrees, mostly sunny. In the NFL, the Rams, well, they'll be playing tonight. You know, they have this football. They play all week long. I don't understand it, but it's all right. It works for me. In the NBA, the Timberwolves, 121. The Pacers 115, the Bulls 115, and the Wizards 111. In the NHL, the Jets will be playing Chicago tomorrow, so they have the night off. But guess what? The Flames, they were triumphant over the Wild. 5-2-3. Everybody, more Americans are moving to places where extreme weather events are commonplace. Will they be able to get insurance? Something to think about, everybody. And in the House is expected to vote and pass legislation today that would protect same-sex and interracial marriage, everybody. The Respect for Marriage Act, which the Senate passed last week in a bipartisan vote, needs to be approved by the House before being sent to President Joe Biden's desk to be signed into law. The invasion of Ukraine is going to take a while, according to Russian President Vladimir Putin. Uh, He said that yesterday as he warned of the increasing threat of nuclear war. He said he viewed the Russian nuclear arsenal as a deterrent rather than a provocation. What do you think about that, everybody? Call me at 773-763-9278. And even as we, um, as we look at uh, all of these provocations all over the world, remember, they're not just happening in the United States, that they're cutting power grids in North Carolina and around the country. 
they are fighting, fending off a right-wing takeover of the government in Germany. Something is happening out there, everybody. It's the zeitgeist, the spirit of the times. Got to pay attention, everybody. I'm Santita Jackson coming to you from WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station. We're talking about Georgia. We're talking about mm, where you saw voter suppression absolutely express itself, but people outvoted it. But you shouldn't have to do that. That's what Senator Warnock told us about. But we've also now looking at the Supreme Court. We're looking at this independent state legislature. It's not just a theory. It could be encoded into law. It would give state state lawmakers unchecked power over federal elections. They would be able to check everybody, the state Supreme Court having been affirmed by the U.S. Supreme Court. What will that mean? Of course, we've been talking with uh, the Transformative Justice Coalition chairman, uh, the brilliant lawyer, attorney, Daryl Jones, who's got fans throughout the South. Hello, that's what you saw when you were traveling. You said they hear you on this show, and yay, I love that. And, of course, we've got Wisconsin State Representative Lakeisha Myers, who is dealing with this. And, of course, she used to work for Congressman Danny Davis. She understands Chicago politics, but, boy, she is up there in Wisconsin now, Dealing with all of this. And attorney Mark Fancher, brilliant, brilliant attorney. And I just cannot wait to just jump into this. First with you, Lakeisha, uh, excuse me, Latasha Brown. Latasha, it's like you can't get any rest. I saw you dancing with, with Roland Martin and Minister uh, Mark Thompson. Oh my gosh. And Cliff Albright, the co founder, along with you of Black Voters Matter. I said, but wow. You know, the, the senator said, you got a mountain moment, but guess what? We got to go into the valley in the morning. I said, oh, please, just could we party just a little longer? Wow. Just a little longer. But you know, suppression there. And now we've got the North Carolina case before the Supreme Court. I mean, like right now. That's right. You know, I, I, I do have to put things in context for me that that I don't think that in in this country for me, um, races and those that seek to divide us, those that seek to oppress our vote, they don't determine my mountain. God determines my mountains. And mm. so part of what I think is our mountain moment is really for our people to wake up and to resist and to organize and to do the work. That's the real we. The real win is that when we literally organize ourselves and that we believe and we continue to work together, and it was such a beautiful feat. What happened in Georgia, people see where 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 Senator Warnock won, and yes, ultimately, you know, that was a win, I think, for for the campaign, for America. Ultimate, the ultimate win is having Dale Jones and my sister, uh, Barbara Online and Deborah Scott and all of the groups, the freedom fighters that were in Georgia, that we shared resources, we coordinated, we worked together, like we pushed this. We're building out an ecosystem of change and we're going to be relentless. And so today we actually going to dance. Tomorrow we're going to do the work, but guess what? We're going to still dance. The next hey. day we're going to do what we need to do. The, the bottom line is, my grandmother used to say, don't let nobody take your joy. And mm. so I think that there's a moment that this work is so hard. It take, it racism just drains you. The voter suppression has been is been such an arduous process of fighting in the streets, fighting in the courtrooms, literally organizing our people. And so I am so grateful today to say that we won. And what I mean by that is I'm not talking about the uh, the Democratic Party. I'm not even talking about Senator Warnock, who I'm super, super excited, won, and I was a supporter of. 
I'm saying we the people won, mm-hmm. that in spite of everything that was meant to prevent us from voting, including Saturday voting, if people will recall, the Secretary of the State, who is the constitutional officer that is supposed to oversee the elections and engage um, uh, the, the public in participating in, 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 in elections and providing voter education, actually sued to keep from literally sued to, to keep from us having an early voting date. You know, as as fate would have it, it's interesting because Warnock actually won the election. The vote difference between Warnock and Herschel Walker, as it currently stands, um, is around ninety seven thousand votes. Mm-hmm. That Saturday of early voting that the Warnock campaign and the people literally fought to actually have and we organized around that that one day alone, there were over 94,000 votes. And so you could actually say that fighting for that one day actually helped make the difference in the outcome in the campaign. But the, the point being, when we stand up, when we fight, when we organize ourselves, there's always a win in there. There's always a win because we're in a stronger position for the fight that we've got to do the next day. That's right. And we need to know what the work is, what the charge is, because what we need to do is deal with these mail-in ballots. His mail-in ballots uh, fell by more than 80 percent, according to an investigation by, well, I mean, he pulled he pulled the records from the secretary of state, Greg Palast. And so we've got to do so. We've got work to do right now. We've got work to do right now. What do you make of all of this? Uh, We are on the march. Before I get to you, Attorney Mark Fancher, it seems there is just... Since the founding, since before the founding of the republic, Latasha, push back against people, the, we the people counting, we the people voting, we the people. It's just minoritarian rule is something that the oligarchs continue to fight for. Just a few people should rule over the many. How do we push back? You know, I think part of the way that we push back is, as I talked about earlier, I think there are three things. One, we have to recognize that voting is a form of power. You know, we can have a critique with it. We can say that the folks don't do what we want them to do. All of that is true, but it's like money. You know, sometimes actually I money and I'm like, listen, this shouldn't be this shouldn't cost a hundred dollars, but I recognize that I have to have money to be able to get this thing that I particularly want. We have to also start seeing an exchange around voting in that way. And so it's important for us that we can have a critique of the system. We have a, a critique of elected officials, but voting literally is a currency for us. That it is a it is a form of power that under no circumstances can we not access. So I think one thing is that and we've seen that that when more people vote, that it's just a political dynamic. And so we've got to make sure that center, we're saying that we have to register and vote in all numbers. That has to be ongoing. It cannot stop. The second thing is there is a there is power when you have the ability to hold those in power accountable. And how do you do that? You have to be organized. You have to have organizations that are coordinated, that have strategy, that are literally showing up on the hill, that are literally um, reaching out to those elected officials when they don't do what we need them to do, that we can actually have the ability to take them out or either put them in office. And so the second thing is we need strong organizations like Rainbow Push, like Black Voters Matter, like Transformational Justice Coalition, organizations that are in place that are organizing our people to help build out the ecosystem. And I think the third thing is we've got to actually have some strong candidates. We've got to recruit those people in our communities. 
um, to actually run for an agenda instead of just letting folks. You know, I've always been been critical of folks who just jump and come out of nowhere and hop up and decide they're going to be a leader. I'm like, well, where have you been before? Like, if you're a leader, you lead whether you have a position or not. And there are people in our community that every single day that we see serve, that actually have the ability, that all they need is more support around getting to that point. We've got to have a different kind of of elected official that we're that are, we're putting in office that is that are willing to be relentless in their fight for us, and then there's a number of things that as a, as a community we have to think about how the political strategy, the economic strategy, the social strategy, the cultural strategy, how all of those things have to be in alignment with the mission of moving our communities forward. If there's not moving our community forward, then literally we have to rethink how we're engaging in any of those particular elements. Amen to that. Latasha Brown, Black Voters Matter. Hey, breaking news. Brittany Griner has been released. Yay. She is released. Praise she has God. Been, praise God out of that detention Amen. center. Amen. Ooh, well, uh, Mark Fancher, she's been released. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And we just thank God for goodness, grace, and mercy uh, because people have their laws. And I respect that. And I appreciate uh, the grace and mercy that was extended to her that got her released. Thank you very much. I just think it's important Amen. to say that. I mean, because, you know, people don't have to. And I do you think that. that we've got to do a shout out to, to President Biden. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's because of the, the negotiation that the Biden administration did with the release of a Russian, um, a Russian pris- uh, uh, prisoner as a swap that led to this. So kudos to President Biden, another evidence, that's another example of when we put people in office, how that actually you could actually pressure that that in itself helped open this space for this release of this woman to get back to her family for the holidays. I'm so, so excited and thankful to God. I don't know what to do. Well, I'm grateful for all around because we are essentially at war with Russia and they could have kept her. And I'm glad that that did not happen. Just all the way around. I want I want this. I want this woman home with her family, with her wife and children. I want her home with her family. I want her home. I want her home. And I want the WNBA to begin to pay. Number one, twin these games with the NBA and begin to pay and may and grow the WNBA the way you grew the NBA and and pay these women what they need to be paid. So they do not have to work a second season overseas. Boom. That's, That's right. the fight. The the work Boom. continues. Uh, Attorney Mark Fancher, oh, I don't even know where to begin. But you know we've got we've got to continue to uh, to deal with the vote. Uh, Senator Warnock said we've got a mountain experience tonight, but tomorrow we got to go back in the valley. The voter suppression that was overwhelming in this election cycle shouldn't have happened. We got to fight it. Now we are looking at the North Carolina Supreme Court. That I mean, excuse me, the North Carolina case, which is going to, which is at the Supreme Court. I mean, what does it mean to have state legislatures have the ability to overrule a state Supreme Court? Well, you know, historically, uh, notions of what they call federalism contemplated uh, states having a degree of sovereignty that allowed them to have extensive authority and to do all kinds of things, um, and that the federal government was going to have uh, be able to exercise enumerated powers, just a limited number of things that the federal government could do. I mean, the federal government, it was expected, would regulate interstate commerce, that they would be responsible for national defense and the military. 
military, uh, that they would have some taxation um, authority. Uh, they would deal with issues of immigration and naturalization, postal service, currency, federal courts, patents and copyrights, things like that. But everything else, uh, was it was expected, would be left uh, to the states. Uh, but the federal government's uh, exercise of its authority uh, and the limits of it uh, began to expand somewhat, particularly uh, during the civil rights movement uh, when it became necessary for the federal government to become more robust, more aggressive in terms of trying to protect uh, the rights of people because of the uh, the, the slogan, states' rights, that uh, the states were saying, we can, we can treat these colored people any way we want uh, because we have a right to do it. And the federal government had to push back and say no. And I think that we've become accustomed to the federal government uh, having uh, a great deal of authority, uh, perhaps more than was initially contemplated. Uh, so to the extent that uh, the court decides to go back and look at these traditional notions of federalism, uh, you know, the, I, the idea that uh, states will be able to regulate their elections is one that they might latch on to and which might carry the day ultimately with respect to the court. But I think that has implications for a lot of things. Uh, you know, we, I, I don't get invited to many parties because I always bring skunks to the parties. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while people, while people are dancing about the Georgia victory, uh, I've got my skunk. And I think that while there's been no community that has fought as actively and consistently for justice, uh, you know, than the black community, I mean, they really have, we've been very consistent in terms of how much activism we engage in, how active we become. But I think that we are sometimes short on analysis. And I think that with all of the furious activity that we engage in, it, it, it pays for us to step back a little bit and to really analyze the circumstances. You know, we're faced now with having to get furious and active again to try and uh, to prevent the consequences of a bad ruling with respect to this North Carolina case. Uh, But, you know, also even what we perceive as victories may not be uh, in the long term. You know, Senator Warnock is now confronted with the prospect of serving with the understanding that fully 50% of his constituents don't want him there. And what does that mean for him in terms of his performance? Does he throw himself on his sword and, you know, become a strident, progressive, uh, you know, senator, as we all hope that he will be? Uh, Or does he move to the center or to the right in order to try and appease, uh, you know, this 50% of his constituents who he has to rely on the next time that he's up for election. And either way, that's not good for us. I mean, he shouldn't be in that position. And if he chooses to try and preserve his seat by becoming more moderate, he becomes another useless politician who really doesn't speak to the issues that we need to have addressed. Uh, You know, he does not become the type of strident, progressive, revolutionary voice that we would hope that he would be. And I think that in a bigger sense, it goes back to the basic fact that there are many communities, the black community, Latino community, the native communities, others, who are still numerically minorities when considered individually. 
And if we embrace completely the notion that our liberation, that our independence, our self-determination will come through a, a system or a process that is based on the idea of majority rule, we automatically lose. And we don't win fights like the North Carolina fight. We, we don't always win fights like in Georgia. By the grace of God, we did this time, but the next time, maybe not. And even if we win it, we don't have any assurance that it's going to be as effective as we would hope it would be. And so we really need to, I, I think, have a mindset that's very different. A mindset that does not consider the idea that our liberation, that our self-determination will come from participation in the system, but that it will be dependent upon how independent we can be, how we can build our own independent source and base of power, and how we can determine for ourselves what's going to happen with our communities. Well, just very quickly, can we do that while working in the system? Oh, certainly, but we also have to be doing that extra work. The problem is when we become totally and completely enamored with the idea that the system will save us. It's designed to prevent us from salvation. I can agree with that. I want everyone else to respond. Of course, you know, Latasha, he always takes us down another place. Uh, am I catching you in between interviews today, Latasha Brown? I know I, I am. It, listen, you are a priority. I'm not mad. Look, I catch this girl on every network, and she ought to be there. The co-founder <laughs> of Black Voters Matter, the Harvard Fellow, my sister friend, Blondell. I ain't mad because you're going to make me go and work on my thing. I got to... I gotta get. I gotta get right. I looked at her. I said, "Go, Latasha. Wait a minute. Uh, excuse me, uh, State Representative Myers, uh, Lakeisha. She was looking fabulous yeah. last night. I said." Um, are you on the well, beauty the channel? days are here. <laughs> you know, I just said, wait a minute, is this HSN? Is she selling beauty products or is she? Oh, no, that's right. You're talking about the vote. That's right. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I kind of missed that. Girl, she was like, I said, I got to go and get my little thing together. I'm not tight enough. <laughs> but let's the holidays are here. I've been running around in jogging pants and, t- and T-shirts for the last month in my Black Rose Map T-shirt. I decided that at least I need to take a shower and put on a little bit of lipstick. Uh, no, no, look, d- don't even pay attention to her. She does this all the time. She rolls out of bed. Ready? Back with more of the Sandita Jackson show in just a few minutes. <laughs> we can change the world, change the world, change the world. Oh, yes, we can. We can change the world, we can change the world, change the world. This is the Santita Jackson show. Everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. You know what time it is. It's time for Dr. Max Wolf. But, you know, he's kind of walking into Georgia, North Carolina, our voting rights. And he one of the things that I love about Dr. Wolf is that he is he's here for it. He's ready for it. We, of course, have got to talk about this child tax income credit. Uh, but all of this impact is impacted. That child income tax credit that is taking our children out of poverty is impacted by the kind of state legislatures, by the people we're able to elect to office. 
And that's why what's happening in the Supreme Court is of such, is of such tremendous consequence, because if the Republicans are able to gerrymander Democrats and progressives more than that, because Democrats want to do this, too, Latasha Brown, uh, they want they want to get rid of progressives. <laughs> and we've got to fight. We've got to fight on our hands. Senator Raphael Warnock said we had a, we have a mountain experience. He said that Tuesday night. He said, now, tomorrow morning, we got to go back into the valley and go to work. Go to work. We've got work to do, everybody. We have got work to do. And I think I have still, do I still have Brian on? Uh, Jewel, I mean, my board operator, please bring on Brian. Oh, good morning, Shantita. It's so nice to hear you back. Brian, you're so sweet, and thank you for be- thank you for being so patient and waiting. Oh, you're welcome. Um, you referenced um, a lady who was released today. I didn't catch uh, the Griner, the WNBA superstar. Yes, and she was released from Russia. Yeah, from the prison. Oh, how good! How wonderful! And, uh, and if I may uh, 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 reference, uh, this comes on a day, uh, we, uh, uh, a very sad day. We remember a man of peace. Uh, we lost him on this date in 1980, John Lennon. Mm, my goodness. Was it 1980, December 8th? Oh, my goodness. Yes, that was a... I remember uh, that. A true man of peace. Uh, but my uh, comment, uh, uh, other comment, I believe that uh, before uh, uh, we uh, or the United States government uh, continues to uh, uh, spend uh, more military aid on other countries. I think we must first end all poverty in this country, homelessness, mm-hmm. have universal health care. Uh, we uh, hear that uh, uh, they spent uh, some uh, $700 million on a new stealth, and they ordered uh, $600 more, and they carry nuclear weapons. I don't know what this is needed for. And we hear nothing about uh, the plight of the people of Haiti or hardly mm-hmm. anything at all of the poor people of Haiti or Yemen and how to help them. So uh, the, the, the main gist of my comments is, is just that. I think uh, we need to, to first uh, uh, take care of citizens of the United States uh, and the fundamental human needs, and then after that, uh, uh, what we can do uh, in a humanitarian way to help other countries. Amen to that. And I don't think that makes you an isolationist. I think that makes you a realist. Charity must be... And parity begins at home. I'm with you, Brian. I'm with you. You can't have Thank all you. these starving people. We have to fight over. Uh, we have to fight over getting our needs met. And yet we continue to shovel money into wars all over the world. That's just not working. And you know what? You can see it. We're not prepared for a World Cup. Only Atlanta is because their infrastructure is new. The American Society of Civil Engineers says that we have like a C or D rating. Because our infrastructure is 100-plus years old. Right now, please leave a message. Thank oh, you. Oh, I think we have to let uh, someone go. <laughs> so there's that. Um, but, Dr. Wolf, we've been talking about this, um, you know, about the threats to our voting rights and, and um, our voting, you know, who we are able to, not only our ability to vote, but whom we are able to vote for, because a lot of people are being gerrymandered out of power. Uh, Democrats primarily by Republican state legislatures that will control whether you get, you know, Medicare and Medicaid expansion. It will control the tile, the child tax credit. It controls really the how people live at the bottom. Dr. Wolf. 
no, no, it kind of creates a bizarre situation where, you know, on a party basis, the Democratic Party gets, you know, sometimes 10 million more votes than the Republican Party and loses both houses of Congress. Not right now, they have one, but uh, that often happens. And then the Democratic sitting party for the presidency gets several million more votes and also loses, right? So you have a situation where land looks like it's what matters. And the maps tell this story, too. New York is always funny. They're like, look at this sea of red with just two dots. But you you realize acreage doesn't vote. People do. They all live in those blue dots. Right, so the maps are a little bizarre. Right, rocks and trees. We haven't enfranchised them. I mean, I'm open to the discussion, but it hasn't been part of the political debate historically. So you show this map, which makes it look like everyone's a Republican, except for these little aberrant blue dots. But the problem is the places with the dots are where all the people live. So it's a little bit strange, mm-hmm. right? And it also has led us to have national debates where we believe the average person is something that they're not, and the aberrant person is something that they're not. Right. And so we have a system that has so many checks and balances that we lose the will of the, the people sometimes. And that can be to the benefit of the Democrats in some areas. And it can be the benefit of Republicans in some areas because we have these districts where a lot of people run against the same person who George Washington ran against in his first election. I think, you know, that person is absolutely no one. <laughs> Talking with Dr. That is also his initial opponent in the first run. Uh, yeah, so I mean, look, if you want to have at least two parties, and that's probably the bare minimum, you know, you want you want that. And then the other problem is, basically, if you have a Citizens United world, which we do, you're auctioning off your politicians. And if you're auctioning off a guy who's the only guy running, he's going to be pretty accountable to the only two or three folks who are paying. And I think that's how you get things like even the most recent, which I thought was pretty disappointing decision by the majority of, of our Republican colleagues, not to extend the citizenship path to people who serve in the armed forces. That seems like if you're willing to, to die for this country and plenty of people who have citizenship or not, denying you a path to that citizenship is pretty outrageous. See, I think that's why this minoritarian rule, this lunge toward that, is so dangerous. And the Supreme Court seems, well, they seem ready to, they seem ready to, to codify this into law. And this is Activist a... judges. This, yeah. this, I mean, this is a horrible, horrible thing. And it will, and, it, and, it, and literally, I was reading about a study that says that Republican policies kill people. And they do. They do. And I'm not a hardcore partisan. Uh, State Representative Lakeisha Myers and I are from Chicago. We had to come up under a tyrannical Democratic machine. So we understand tyranny from I'm not sure Chicago all kinds of guys. Known for its moderation right there. I wrote, but she, okay. she knows. No, no, no. We, we live with the Democrats. Uh, can I get an amen, State Representative Myers? We had to fight them. And we Amen. Do. And I just had to fight the people in my own party about redistricting last session. Whoa, whoa, whoa. in Wisconsin, what happened? <laughs> oh, I told you there was the, the plan to remove or diminish African-American and Latino representation. So we had to have that conversation even within our own caucus. And that's why Senator Taylor ended up spending $10,000 of her own money to put forth an amicus brief with the Supreme Court. Latasha, it, it's real. I mean, Latasha, <laughs> come on. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not trying to take the wind out of your sails at all. But I mean, Mark Fancher, Attorney Jones, 
These are the, well, you know, you're always fighting. Okay, I get it. But, yep. I mean, Mark Fancher, come on. Oh, right. Yeah, I mean, this, I, you know, I mean, and I think, but I think we have to be girded up for the fight. Attorney Jones, we have to be girded up for the fight wherever it comes from. But I think we have to be very clear on the principles, you know, because, we, you know, because I don't think that we should be got complexion doesn't change direction. So you should not just vote for someone because they're black or they look like you. Or they grew up next to you. Then, uh, don't do that. That's a mistake. You need to find out where people are coming from, Attorney Jones, so that you can make make the right decision about whom you want to vote for. But what I think we do need to understand, as Attorney Fancher was showing us, was de- demonstrating to us how the country has been structured. Because there has always been the tension between the rights of the states and the rights of the federal government. Attorney Jones? Was he still there? Well, Attorney Fancher? Well, are they you still there? Well, the, okay, well, I'm maybe they're not on mute. Attorney, but I have stayed at the Holiday Inn Express, if you need an answer. No, no, but you know what? But you <laughs> see, you see, uh, you see, Dr. Wolf, the tension between, um, you see the tension between the states and, um, the tension between the states and, 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 and the federal government. That's, that's like baked yeah. into the cake. There's also but a, this a, a is, the racial history in the U.S., right? Because oh my gosh. sometimes it's yeah. about whether or not you can trade in, in human beings and whether or not slavery should be lawful or permitted. And there's also been a long history in the U.S. of the federal government trying to push forward sort of modernization, sometimes against the interest of entrenched local elites in the states. And that can take the form of vaccinations and public works projects and integration. And we saw the rise of the federal government with the more progressive Great Society programs that built the American middle class, the 30s, 40s, 50s. And yes, that was given less and later to people of color, but still had an effect, right? It had an effect on, on, on the country. And then you saw almost immediately this tension where fighting the federal government became a kind of coded local kind of quasi-nationalist thing to reject those more progressive policies. But then we got the catch-22 that we live with today, which is the folks from the red states, they tend to get an enormous economic advantage from being net tax recipients, right? So they pay less to the federal government than they get from the federal government, which they denounce for overtaxing that. Then they build that stuff, and then they try to use that economic strength to take businesses and or to take some control back, originally a state's rights, and if they capture something like the Supreme Court, which they have now, they have no interest in state's rights, and they want to nullify some blue state rules, right? Because it looks like the old saying of the British imperium more than the ideology, which is whoever rules the waves, waves the rules. Hmm. I want you all to call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-9278. Latasha Brown, I mean, it's getting very complex, and it's getting, um, we're getting down into the weeds here. But you know what? This is where we have to be. Because, you know, it's some of these people really study all of these pieces. And um, I think we need to, I think we need to know the nature of the fight. These people have been... Uh, when you look at the Republicans, when we read David Daly's book, Rat Eft, they made a decision. You all can have the presidency. They did that in 2008. They said, but you know what? We're going to take over the states. And they pro- and we proceeded to lose 1,000-plus seats 
at every level, Latasha Brown. How do we recover ground? I mean, you, you help yeah. me with that because you are one of you. You're one of the one of the leading, uh, you know, organizers of our era. How do we recover I mean, ground, think- and how do we just engage people and let them know what the nature of this struggle is? Yeah, I think it's we have to be mindful and put pressure and fight on every level. I think we're seeing some of that even in Georgia. Georgia, let 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 me be, let folks know Georgia is still a state in transition. Georgia is a solid red state. That what do you mean by that? It has been a state that has solidly um, voted Republican, and it has actually had a system support. Um, the Republican Party, who actually runs the state legislature. So they actually have gerrymandered the, the state in such a way that even though 100% of the population growth in the last 10 years, according to the census, has been communities of color, some way they've actually gerrymandered the state in such a way that they actually have an advantage, even though uh, um, it's not reflective of, um, of of the population growth. And so fundamentally what we've seen is this is a state that the entire political power structure is controlled by those that have actually been open about not desiring or not wanting um, of everybody in the state to be, have access to voting. And so I think there's a blue, there's lessons learned from that. I think, one, you have to be relentless. And I think that's what you see from Georgia organizers, that literally we have been relentless. Now, does that mean that we're going to lose a few? Absolutely. Losing um, in the in the last uh, um, the last statewide election uh, in the midterms, we took significant losses, right? But does that mean that you stopped? We could have been deflated and said, oh, they're going to do what they want to and went home and just let this runoff play out. But instead, we used that energy and organized and doubled down. And as a result, now we have a U.S. senator in office. I think part of what we have to recognize, we're in protracted struggle and we're going to have wins and losses. I think that what, what Dallas said was amazing. That at the end of the day, I don't think that's about being a Debbie Downer. I think that's about being realistic. That the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is as long as we're in this political system, we've got to engage it as much as possible if for no other reason but reduce the harm to our community. But we also have to be forward thinking and literally start pushing beyond what currently exists and pushing for something different that opens up the state of the, the space for reflective democracy to, to come to pass. We've got to push for the elimination of of um, electoral college. We've got to literally take over these state legislatures that, you know, we learn in uh, political science one-on-one that all politics are local, but then we hear all of this energy around the presidential elections and the national elections. Uh, yes, they are extremely important, but literally you've got to build power locally. We've got to take over these school boards. We've got to take over uh, these state legislatures. We have to take over these county commissioners, county commissioners. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really important for us to recognize that that's one element. And I think another element is that, you know, when people are saying, well, we need economics, the challenge with that is we have to have a larger strategy around that because right now economics mean let me individually get wealthy. You know, at, at the, we need that in itself is not going to get us any closer in my opinion, and what we need. We've got to create and make sure that we are literally, we have strong institutions in our community, that literally wealth can be expanded. It's not just about individually getting wealthy. It is also around how do we create institutions to make sure that we have economic justice? How do we create 
institutions and support institutions, the strengthening of institutions and people that are going to be on the front lines. We've got to direct our resources towards those efforts that are going to help build us power because it's like a chicken and an egg. You know, in the state of Georgia, we're getting ready. We're completely shifting. Like now, if the campaign has happened, we're happy. The Democrats got power. What are Democrats going to do about the minimum wage? Georgia has the lowest minimum wage in the country. We got $5.15 an hour. That is unacceptable. So we've delivered for the, we've delivered for the Democrats. Uh, the Democrats are going to deliver for us. We're in a state that we got 1.5 million people without health care, health insurance. We're, and we know that the governors and the Republicans have stood in our standing in a way to that. But just like that was an excuse for us, the Republicans stood in a way or tried to stand in a way around voter suppression. They put every trick out of the bag they could. That didn't stop us. It is un- it is unacceptable and inexcusable to hear from the de- uh, the, re- the Democrats that because the Republicans now are getting ready to come in the House. Because the truth of the matter is, currently as we speak, the Democrats have control over the House. They have control over the Senate. They have control over the White House. Get it done. Before they go on break, we should see some legislation around voting rights. Before they go on break, we should see some movement around wages. It is not too late. It's a lame duck session. Republicans have done it before. The Democrats have done it before. Deliver for the people who have delivered for you. Amen to that. Let me get let me get a couple of these comments in. Paul from Seattle. Sweetie, what's your comment before we go? Good morning, Santita. Hey, Paul. Uh, yeah, uh, just to uh, follow up on, on that thought, uh, yeah, the Republicans have done things in lame duck legislature, like try to destroy the post office in, in 2006 uh, with their uh, Postal Enhancement Accountability Act. But I wanted to comment on the the state legislature's case, it's of uh, independent state legislature's notion. Um, the first thing is that is so contrary to federalism that any interpretation of a, pr- a procedural description in, in Article 2 of the Constitution would be taken as conferring, as the, as the Constitution conferring a special power on a branch, a particular branch of state government is so antithetical to federalism. That is just ridiculous. And the fact that we have three justices on the Supreme Court that would entertain that with, uh, you know, vehemently entertain that is, is really beyond the pale. But one of them is, is Clarence Thomas. And, and let me say something about uh, Santita. You said, you know, don't vote for somebody just because uh, they look like you or just because they're black. The fact of the matter is we have Clarence Thomas just because he's black. And Democrats. Yeah, but, but, but you know what? And it's cynical and it's wrong. And we have all these other justices just because they were white. All that's wrong. And we know we uh, had true, but, we, no no but but we had Clarence Thomas because he's black and because he supports a corporatist and an imperialist agenda. That's why but, you can do much more the, under the cover of darkness. That is why. And when he talked about a high tech lynching, the black people who did not support him, and that was the overwhelming majority of us. We I'm moved into support of him because we said, "Oh, he's a black man, and when he gets in, he's going to understand." No, I was like, "No, he's not." That's not no, why no, they choose him. I don't mean that. I don't mean that. I mean, I hear you, but I need you to make your point so I can. I need to bring someone else on, sweetie. Okay, sure. I'm saying white people, Democrats, the the Senate Judiciary Committee, which was run by Joe Biden at the time. Mm -hmm. Clarence Thomas is no Thurgood Marshall, but absolutely, 
they were willing to confirm him just because he was black. And they no, no, they warned him because he was not Thurgood Marshall. And yes, oh, Joe Biden oversaw that process. Shame on him for that. And he's got a lot of making up to do. Because we, because we got uh, Anita Tom, and Anita, uh, Anita Hill was slammed, and this man yep. was affirmed. Shame, shame, shame. All right, sweetie, let me bring up Shapiro. Shapiro, very quickly, what's your comment, honey? Shapiro. Natasha, can you hear me? Okay, just a little louder. I can. I can. I can hear you, Shapiro. Good morning. I was going to tell you, we got to apply that pressure, girl. We got to apply the pressure. So whatever you need. We got to apply that pressure. Apply that pressure before January. Let us know. I think that we need to do a 50-state strategy, a, a major uh, Twitter campaign, major Facebook, just saying what we need and what we need it now. We, we came through for them, so we need them to come through for us. That's point blank, blank simple. We need them to come through for black America on the civil rights, uh, voting act, as well as also the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. They need to come through for us. They need to do it. Tell me how to apply the pressure. I know that's right. Well, we're we going to organize. I think in the next week or so, we got a short period of time and a short window, and we we are going to organize. You know, Christine, let me tell you something. That needs to happen because the, 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 the Democrats are hemorrhaging black men as voters. And it's a slower it's a slower bleed with black women. But it's happening. And Democrats have got to deliver. But w- what we have to understand is that we have to make them deliver. This ain't no love fest. It's not a date. It's a destination. It's politics. That's what it is. I mean, I think that we have to understand the nature of politics, Dr. Wolf, um, that it really, this ain't about love. This is about uh, power. And, and I think getting, we can learn something. Getting your deliverables. I think you learn something from the far right because everything they sell sold holy, they traded out for Brett Kavanaugh in about three seconds. And everything mm-hmm. they were willing to die for, or at least generally kill other people for, well, that's clear if they want to die themselves, but definitely willing to kill others about, they were also willing to sacrifice to get Georgia. To get that sentence, right? Mm-hmm. So you put a gun to your wife's head a few times, hey, you know? Everyone has a bad afternoon. If you, you might not be able to get an abortion if you're a 12-year-old rape victim, but you definitely can if you're running for Senate. But there's Ooh. probably a lesson there, right? Which is the, those people do kept their eyes on the prize. No purity tests, no comfort yeah. tests, no moral tests at all. Just cold, hard cash on the counter. And there are reasons not to go that far, by the way. You can learn something from someone without being them. But it's pretty clear here that they wanted that five or six vote majority of the Supreme Court. And they didn't care if they had to do it illegally. And they didn't care if they had to put it in, put in a guy who halfway through looked like the bad guy in a 90s film about college. <laughs> but you know, but they said that, you know, I mean, you know, Nicole Bennett is saying yeah. to Barrett, excuse me, is saying to you, Latasha, we need you. Do the organizations that can help, but but have to remain nonpartisan. You know, we do need you. And you know what? You have to come back because we have to talk about this strategy to press uh, to press to get certain things pushed through the Congress while we have time. We, we got it. Absolutely. We still have a Democratic majority in the House of Representatives. Latasha, I got, right. a, I got a minute. It belongs to Thank you. you. 
All right, I will just say that this is our moment. This is our time. My brother Hank Stewart says, says, if we don't move forward, it is our fault. And so I think that in this moment, this is a moment to recognize, and I hope that people saw it in Georgia, that this is a moment to recognize when you have people power, we can push through, but we can't stop there. We cannot stop until we get the kind of policy we desire we deserve. This is the time, y'all. This is the season. We got the reason. Let's do the work. Amen. State Representative Lakeisha Myers, uh, 30 seconds. What do you need? What do you need your constituents and what do you need people to do? To continue to vote. I need people to continue to vote and I need them to bring somebody with them. And the younger generation, I want to see civics happen in action. That's what Latasha is doing in Georgia. That's what we need to do all across the country and understand that we have to be active participants. It is our currency. But you know what, everybody? You know, the thing is, this is uh, your moment. And this is a time in which you've got to be engaged. Hey, having a republic is a big deal, let alone a republic that has ambitions toward democracy.